0: CIUT 89.5 FM, celebrating
1: 35 years as the sound of your city.
2: The views and opinions expressed on the following program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of CIUT-FM.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of The More, The Merrier. This is Donna G and I've got a very full show coming up for you today. We're going to have back-to-back interviews with Kirk Cooper of the Durham Regional International Film Festival or DRIF. Then you're going to hear from Jenny Laguerre about her performance in Maman la Mer, which will be playing at Théâtre Français de Toronto. And then we're going to end with a musical artist, Chris A. Cummings of Marker Starling. And then we'll end the show with a piece by Marker Starling, and that piece is called a little joy. Joining me right now is Kirk Cooper, who is the Director of Programming for Drift. You've heard of TIFF, now there is Drift since 2017, and DRIF is the Durham Regional International Film Festival. Kirk, welcome to CIUT. You've been here in different iterations as Film Market Access, so it's nice to interview you for the first time about this film festival.
1: Well, thank you so much, Donna. I am always happy to return to CIUT and your programming. Um, I think, you know, the world of your your ability to reach the audience that you have reached over the years and how you've developed that circle. And um, I'm always happy to participate in talking films with the people who listen to you and love what you have to say as well.
0: And this is why I wanted to reach out to Drift to take it out of Toronto and into Durham region so that tra- the traffic should go both ways in terms of the arts and films. So uh, let's get started. Drift has been around since 2017 and I love the handle Catch the Drift. It's fantastic and memorable. <laughs> yes. uh, and it's three days, three days of programming that looks very exciting. Uh, so let's start with with day one. Uh, well, first of all, you're highlights.
1: right. It, okay, so you're right. It's three days, but it's three days packed of so much that's happening. And yes, day one is our first day with our opening night film and our VIP reception cocktail. Um, and, the opening and that's
0: on... T- that's on September
1: 29th. That is correct, September 29th. The festival runs from the 29th of September to October 1st. We are doing a hybrid this year, even though we mentioned it's three days, it's three, but it is a hybrid edition of this festival. Uh, we miss 2021 because in 2020, as we all know, something big happened, unless you're asleep and you don't realize what that was then you know it's it kind of shut everything down especially for you know festivals where it's really about in person and going out and, and sitting in the theater or among people to watch films and appreciate um the love of film and we tried that in 2020 to do online and we found we didn't get as much response that we wanted um maybe because we're Just trying this for the first time a lot of people were as well so 2021 we decided not to venture back into that so 2022 here we are and we decide to let's do a hybrid version so those who really love to come out and be a part of the experience of watching films together you have that option and if you find it's too much we offer an option online for Ontario residents, all Ontarian residents, residents, sorry.
0: One of the things that COVID did bring about is the hybrid, you know, area of the arts, where mm-hmm. those who maybe had barriers to commuting or participating because of other reasons can, mm-hmm. you know, still feel the flavor of participating in a a festival or an arts event. And um, I have to be honest, I'm going to be participating uh, virtually uh, for Drift. I'm going to try my hardest to come out for Day 3, but we'll get to that uh, in a moment <laughs> um, because I would like to be among the people for, days for Day three's uh, last closing night film. But Day 1, you have some shorts that are screening as well as a feature film, so let's start talking about uh you've got a short from Germany and one from um sorry you've got a short from Germany and then the feature from Canada Renuka Jayapalan. So blind spots, why was that selected? Or what's interesting about blind spots?
1: I wasn't quite sure what I was watching for the first two minutes of Blind Spot. It was a very interesting short where I thought I was watching somebody in the moment Documenting the way a film is being made. And when it got further into it, I realized this is really a, a very important topic that we rarely discuss amongst our community of filmmakers, how one should treat subject matters on sets when it comes to very much a closed set and they have to talk about sex or they have to do a sex scene or anything in that way. So it's very, very important that we examine that a little bit. And this film does that blind spot to a great ending, which I I won't say exactly what happens then, but it makes you think about how that all breaks down. Being in this Me Too era, it makes us focus on how a woman would feel in a particular position if she doesn't feel comfortable on set. So that is what Blind Spot is about. And what's very interesting is that this was a student film, and I was really blown away by that. And it's a German film, and we have lots of German films in this program lineup.
0: One thing I want to mention about Drift is that you collaborate with the local high schools. Can you speak on that, please?
1: So we have something it's called um Drift EDU and it's really about getting content to the high schools um during their school year just to participate in giving young people the opportunity to see films. Um not the necessary films you would see on Netflix, not in a way that they can choose um from a aggregate aggregate system. Mm -hmm. It's more designed for what they are thinking about, what they want to know more about, what's topical for them. Like this year, we're hoping to touch on depression because we know that a lot of young people, because they weren't in school in a very formal way, they um, suffered from a lot of that. And we wanted to discuss how social media plays a big part in that. So that's one part of that we're going to discuss with film students at that point.
0: And I want to move on to your feature film by Renika Jayapalan. It's called Stay the Night. Tell us more about that one, Kirk.
1: You know me very well. I am not a big rom-com fan.
0: No, you're not.
1: (laughs) No, you are not. So what happened, Kirk? (laughs) I know. Um, That's the programmer in me. I I look for films that speaks to a wider audience, and I found this film just do that. It it spoke to a wider audience, and it also spoke to me. I found it delicious, and I think one of the reasons why I find it so deliciously appealing is that it reminded me of another film um, by Linklater, Before Sunrise. Ah. you with that?
0: No, I was yeah. reading it and I was thinking more of uh Barry Jenkins and Ooh. is a, um Melancholy Oh my goodness. Medicine for, yes, Medicine, Medicine for Melancholy. Yes. Medicine for Melancholy, his first yes. film that I saw at TIFF. So okay. it's in so it's in that vein. It's kind okay. of in that
1: way because here's the thing, it's you have Grace, one of the characters in the film who is um I believe her name is you, you're probably familiar with her. Andrea Bang from Kim's Convenience. Yes. She is um, playing the lead and the love interest in this film. A very stickler for things. She works in human resource. <laughs> so you know, this is someone who is very on the ball and very direct about what she wants. So when something like this unexpectedly happens one night where she meets this guy and the guy just seems like he wants to help her, but at the same time, she doesn't necessarily want the help, but she kind of wants the help. So this is the first time she's a bit iffy and unsure about her decisions and what she's thinking in her head. And this plays out pretty much the whole night um, where it's a bit of back and forth about love and about meeting people and connecting. And they discuss it because, in this, this time period we're in, we often feel like we're not connecting properly with the people that we want to connect with. And I'm not sure if a younger generation even know how to connect with each other properly, When especially when you meet someone for the first time in person and not you know over a tablet or over a phone. How do you connect and how do you make it um, genuine? So those questions are debated in the film as well. But what's so beautiful about this film is it's uncanny because you have someone who works in human resource and somebody who works at, or who's a, a talented hockey player. That's his role. And this night he was shafted and he doesn't have a team to play for. And so she becomes this human resource person trying to help him. And she and he in turn try to help her by opening up her, open her up to talk about her feelings surrounding meeting someone? Why is she single and stuff like that? And why is she not interested in the person that actually is interested in her? Ah. So it's a really interesting night and it goes through the whole night. So that's why it reminds me of Before Sunrise. And the other thing about this film is that the beauty of it, there's a third character besides Raymond, a black, because he's wonderful in it. There is a third character and that character is the Toronto um, downtown core. It Toronto has never looked so beautiful to me. I thought it was shot so well and, you know, hats off.
0: And then on the 30th, Drift Day 2, mm-hmm. uh, we have a lot going on, um, nibbles, an industry panel, but you have another short, uh, another film from, not a short film, but a feature film from Germany uh, called Bulldog.
1: Yes, but we also have a short just before that called Edgy, and that really, that short is really a look at anyone who's different and what difference, what different can mean when you're not the status quo, you're not rolling with the, the, the status quo and how people try to change you. Um, And it's only two minutes long, so I don't want to give away too much. No, but it okay. Young. young character and a family and how they dealt with it and how they hide who they are from everyone um, and even from their young child until they realize that this is ridiculous they have to be open and honest and true about who they are and okay. it's all animated so it's all a right automation
0: yeah i missed that because i'm looking at the ticketing section um where it has um to be determined Still, yeah. so yes. as a, as a, uh, as opposed to the website, because I know sometimes you know festivals can be a work in progress, so that's why I thought that you have different locations each day. Is that part of the inclusivity to move from Whitby to Ajax to Oshawa?
1: Yes, it's the. Um... It's really to bring the whole community together and to move from one location to offer something for those who live in Whitby, those who live in Ajax, and those who live in Oshawa. And as you can see, 29th is, uh, I believe, uh, Whitby. The 29th is
0: Whitby, yeah, Centennial Building.
1: Yes, and the 30th, which is Friday the 30th. We call that the centerpiece, which is Bulldog, and I'm gonna talk about that in a second. That is at the St. Francis um, Theater. And then the third, and which you're planning to come out on October 1st, the third um, event is at uh, Biltmore in Oshawa, which is a beautiful venue.
0: So back to Bulldog.
1: Here's the thing. Um, I watched Bulldog, and I have to say that the first thing that struck me as a programmer is that I haven't really seen any relationships like this before. It's a relationship between a mother and a son. And it's really about Bruno, who is 21-year-old Bruno, and who has a mother by the name of Tony, and for as long as you can remember, it's always been them, but then someone comes into the picture, which is a friend, and maybe a little bit more, female friend, and maybe a little bit more, and the division that this friend caused shows us the un- how unstable, and maybe to some degree, how unhealthy their relationship really was, where we where you wouldn't see that before, but you think it's a little strange the way they do everything together, but because they actually live together and work at the same place together. And in some ways, I find Tony the mother to be a little juvenile, <laughs> to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is interesting. I've never seen a relationship like this before. And it's not between a mother and daughter, it's between a mother and a son. So you, you're gonna really enjoy a wave of emotion with this film. Um, There's a lot of things that are touched upon. And I think one of the most important thing is what the takeaway for me is the way that it's shot, the story itself, and the fact that you may not have predict the ending at all. So Mm. that's beautiful thing about this film
0: you've seen a lot of films over the years you've been a programmer for many years Mm -hmm. so for for you to say you you know this is a new story and it sounds like a new story from my point of point of view too because um sometimes you see the single mother and the single and with with the daughter but it's never it's not as popular to see the single mother um with the son because Mm -hmm. sometimes in single parent relationship the child is sometimes seen as the second adult um mm. because they're so much together um the decisions are being made together and or it's a, vice it's, versa or so yeah you said the
1: second adult but sometimes it could be the friendship where it's not even an adult it's like two young people yeah behave in that manner exactly and they feed off at each other in that definitely. way definitely yeah
0: Yeah. So that that sounds very, very interesting. And that's called Bulldog out of Mm -hmm. Germany. And Kirk, this is an international festival. So um, how large is your programming team?
1: (laughs) That's a very good question. It's not very big. <laughs> yeah, cuz you are
0: you're a small festival. We're a very small festival. And you're you're a young festival as well. Yes,
1: 5 years going. Um we had a couple of years before um I think before 2017, but we made it official to say um 2017 with our start mm-hmm, and yeah. we will go on go on from there. So yeah, this is a 5th year and I've been with the festival for 4 years and um I've always been sort of the person in charge of well i've always been in charge of the programming Mm -hmm. but i've also been very much heavily doing a lot of the programming so i do see a lot of films and each year is the burden and responsibilities on my shoulder which i gladly accept i'm happy to um to look at what the programming lineup will look like and reflect that to our audience what our audience may be um their appetite is Mm searching for
0: right because you're trying to build an audience as well Mm -hmm. and you try to build an audience as well as at the same time find out what their tastes are
1: exactly and
0: that's only going to take time Uh, And just to
1: jump in there for a second we've been doing that um since the pandemic hit and we didn't have anything in 2021 so we started with the drive-ins and i'm not sure if you're familiar but we had drive-ins last year where we mm -hmm. showed Anne marie fleming's film um, we showed um, Sud Um Home. We showed that as well. And then this year we showed um, Beans by Tracy Deer. Yeah. Um, we also showed Charles Officer's Aquila Escape. And by the way, that was sold out completely. And Good. then our third Good. film was completely sold out. People were like, begging to get tickets, which was like really surprising. Um, so we kept selling out each time. And that third film was um, Sleeping Giant by Andrew Chevedino, I think it is. Uh, I may not pronounce his last name wrong. I'm so sorry,
0: true? Okay, now we have to move on to Drift Day 3. You've got some uh, homegrown shorts, which Mm. um, we don't have time to go into everything. No, there's
1: too many. In in, in that. Can I highlight what the homegrown shorts means? Sure, of course. Okay, so it's a collection of shorts that meant they're from Ontario. Um, We want to salute Ontario filmmakers, especially the ones that are in Durham. So we have at least three or four filmmakers from Durham who are in that section. And then we have a sprinkle of others around Ontario, including Toronto in that section.
0: Okay, so this also has some some workshops that are open to the public and people Mm -hmm. can check that out on the website, website drift.ca. But and then there's a dinner break. Because it starts in the afternoon and then there's a dinner break. I love how there's a dinner break in the middle of a festival, as if you're playing cricket
1: and there's well, a tea break. <laughs> the, reason, the reason for that is we're not actually sending individual tickets to each movie we're selling daily tickets so yes. if you buy a ticket you're getting it for the full days program so you can choose to come and go um whenever whatever you want to see and take part in so that's what we say if you're there all day please take a break and get something to eat
0: yes tickets are ten dollars for uh the first and second day and then the third day you have the option of um just buying the evening film or you can do the whole day for Mm fifteen dollars for
1: day three so and our awards uh, presentations also that day so you'll find out who wins best international short or best canadian short um, and so on. And Best Feature, Best Documentary. This is the first year we actually have several documentaries in the lineup, and we're offering a prize for Best Documentary.
0: Okay. Now, I, I'm i surprised I've never heard of this film. Revival 69, The Concert That Rocked the World. Yeah. By Ron Chapman. Yeah. How have I never heard of this film?
1: Because it's a world premiere, but not... At our festival, it will be a world premiere, I believe, at another festival that's happening in this month, but just two weeks before us. I won't say which festival it is. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But we're having the Durham Region um, premiere. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's actually going to be at three festivals, I believe, or two. Yeah, three festivals in the month of September. But
0: Um, uh, Durham Region gets to see it. So tell people about it. And why, so, tell them why I'm so excited.
1: Oh, I, you listen, I started watching this film by Ron Chapman and I was like, what am I watching? What is this story? Why have I never heard of this? Exactly. With a lot of these things was going through me. I had so much emotions, but at the same time, I was so giddy from watching it and learning about this particular event. And this event is almost like a Woodstock of sorts that happened here in Toronto in 1969 and it was a promoter who brought all these amazing acts to toronto including john uh, lennon and And
0: i'm reading the notes and it was the concert was almost cancelled
1: yes and that listen (laughs) anyone who's ever done an event and this is why this film was so exhilarating watching it, I just kept going, Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> wow. So many things were happen happening in 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 sort of in real time or back in, you know, 1969, 1969. but they presented it presented in almost in real time to us to see how it was all stacked up and how it could have been cancelled. But you're at your edge of your seat thinking, but I can't believe that's happening. I can't believe that's how it was planned. Well, Nowadays, I, I, I nothing would be believe. planned that way. Yeah. I Couldn't believe it.
0: John Lennon, Eric Clapton, Chuck Berry, Little Richard, Jerry yeah. Lewis, Bo Diddley, Gene Vincent, The Doors, mm-hmm. the and doors. Alice
1: Cooper. Yeah, Alice Cooper. Um, and you know, every one of these artists you mentioned, you'll see them perform live back then. You will see their footage on stage in Toronto. At Varsity um,
0: Stadium.
1: At Varsity Stadium. And then you you probably heard about Alice Cooper. There was a weird satanic thing with an animal. I won't say what. Oh,
3: happened. yeah. Okay, okay.
1: So that's going to be explained in the dog. Okay. You heard about this chicken?
0: Yes. So that's where that, okay.
1: That happened at that time. So I will say more. You have to come out and see this documentary and how it's put together. And what I really love about the doc is that most docs, they find their own style and rhythm. And Ron has found that with animation as well as archival footage. So a lot of black and white and some color images um a lot of that stuff is in there a lot of um footage you know in the terms of a video because it was actually um taped back then Mm -hmm. and it was a documentary and i don't know if that it was a documentarian who was there at the time who brought their camera to capture it all and that's where they were able to find a lot of this footage from back then
0: Well, on that note, people, the website, drift.ca, D-R-I-F-F dot C-A, uh, Durham Regional International Film Festival. Catch the Drift. And uh, that's their handle on um, Instagram. Is it also the same on Twitter?
1: I believe it is. Yes.
0: Okay. All right.
1: You can find us. Just type in drift.ca and you'll find us. Everything is there.
0: Kirk, thank you so much for doing this. You're in the middle of the wrapping things up so So i really appreciate the time that you took today
1: thank you so much thank you for having me donna as always a pleasure
3: ciut 89.5 the sound of your city stream ciut
0: at www.ciut.fm You're listening to CIUT 89.5 FM. This is Donna G. And this interview is focused on Jenny Laguerre, who is a Dora nominee, um, actress and storyteller. And uh, I'm so happy to have her here with me today to talk about Maman La Mer, which has gone through some rough times because of COVID. So Jenny, tell us, uh, how many times
4: was it postponed or canceled <laughs> because now it's back on? Um, it was postponed so many times because of COVID. It, it premiered in Ottawa because I'm doing this play with Theatre de la Catapult in Ottawa. And, uh, and then it went, it was going to a, a major tour. We had gone to Cote d'Ivoire, Ivory Coast for uh, this major art festival and COVID hit right when we were over there. So when we came back, uh, that was the first cancellation because we were supposed to finish the season in April or May at TFT. We were supposed to go on tour, Africa, uh, Sudbury and a bunch of other places, Montreal and then Toronto, finish home, Toronto. And then uh, during COVID every season that would, they would add it on some new lockdown would come up <laughs> and we would, uh, but I feel myself very lucky because so many of my friends and fellow artists, their shows did not continue. Uh, they, they don't have a chance to, they didn't get a chance to, uh, tour or even some production got completely shut down.
0: Yes, I know. Um, so uh, we're grateful as an audience that we will get a chance to see Maman la Mer. And uh, this is with uh, Théâtre Catapult. Tell us tell us about that, at Théâtre.
4: Théâtre catap- Catapult uh, came to me uh, in tw- um, twenty end of 2018, beginning 2019. And they were looking for, uh, a, they're really known for a teen uh team plays, youthful youth plays, and she really wanted to push her presence. Danielle, Danielle is the artistic director, really wanted to push the uh adult audience. And she heard that I had something that I was already working with. I think you may have seen the first workshop of it was in at Summer Work in English. It was a 30 minutes. Yes, that's how I minutes. remember it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a 30 minutes and it was a workshop production. And from that workshop production, there's so many things that I learned that I did not want it to be. So I returned and got more grants to really get it to where I want it to be. And then when uh, Danielle said, I'd like to use one of your plays or whatever you're working on to broaden my audience, um, my uh, adult audience, even though we're as a teen. And whatever you write, it will go also in the high schools. Right. Uh, And then that's how it started. So I then I translated it into uh, into French and we did my whole team, um, my whole reflection of uh, on it. And uh, now we have a 60 minute play, one woman play.
0: I'm so happy for your success because I remember when I first saw it, um, although I appreciated it, I was missing you. I was missing Jenny and how Jenny communicated with the audience. And I, 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 I speak honestly to you. You know that. Yes, you do. And you do. I said, Jenny, cause I, I you know, I'd seen uh, Rendez-vous La Clé. I'd seen you do. Les
4: um, uh Oui, Les Inspirés.
0: Yes. I know you because of, uh. Uh, Theatre France de Toronto, um, but when I saw uh, Maman, Laclay, um, Maman la Clay, Maman la Mère at SummerWorks, I said um, I was missing you. I was missing you, the storyteller. Where were you? So I'm glad that um, now we get to we will get to see you um, yes. in in your totality.
4: Yes, very much more going into what I my reflection where I wanted to go with it. It's a very grounded play that really demystify a lot of the spirituality of a Haitian spirituality. There's so much rumors and things that people think romanticize um, uh, Haiti and and what Haitian spirituality is. And it's also brings it back to what spirituality is for us. Uh, Caribbean or African uh, uh even a uh, uh, Latinx have told me when they've seen the play that we are have a connection to to our, uh, our home country or our, our parents home country but we're living in Canada and we are very much Canadian. How does that spirituality come and touch us? How does that come and express to us it doesn't express to us the same way We have our own research that we're doing of of, of ourselves so it's a bit of a, and also it's a love letter of these three generation of women. You know, at first I really wanted to write a love a, a love story and uh, between a man and a woman, and then turn out to be a love story between three generation of women. And me now that I am a, I am a mother, and I I have a mother, and and then I'm living my truth in so many ways, as, and form a whole new a whole new play that's much more complete. And people come to talk to me about so many subjects after the play that I'm always excited to talk to people after now.
0: So let's get into the play. Uh Tell us about uh, the character uh, Marjolaine.
4: Marjolaine, yes. Uh, Marjolaine is uh, a woman. We meet her when she's, pop, she's 37 or almost you know, 38, 39. But when she was really young, she told her mother that she can see, she dreams about the future. And uh, her mom doesn't take it too heart, but ask her, well, why don't you tell me about it? And then she says, oh, I, I paint them and I draw them. So she shows her all the drawing. And from that drawing, seeing all the drawings and the paintings, the mom, you get the hint that the mom believes her and says that oh, she sees the future. It's just that the 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 paintings and the and and the drawings are so abstract and everything. Marjolaine doesn't really get certain of them what they mean, mm-hmm. but she does. If she draws something, a face of a person, she does meet them later. It might be a teacher or somebody she meets down the street. But the other things that tell of the st- you know, of the, like she even paints her grandma, but she doesn't know that that's a grandma. But when her mom sees, her, she knows and she tells her to let go of that. Stop painting. Stop that thing about the future. We are trying to fit in Canada. We are not about that. I left everything behind in Haiti. They're going to mix us up with that stuff that those people do because, you know, everything mm-hmm. is voodoo and black magic with Haiti we I've moved from there become a lawyer your father's a lawyer you're smart you're amazing let's fit fit in the Canadian way
0: yeah the cultural amnesia yeah that that happens you know when people emigrate from certain parts and yes. they reside in you know a different country the parents uh, the family wants to adapt and assimilate and forget. Um, because I colonized people tend to do this um, in order to fit into the dominant society. And we're forgetting part of ourselves because I see it in in my family. You know, whether Mm. whether they're here in Canada or the U.S. or in England, you know, there's a certain generation that says enough. They think badly of us from where we come, where we come from. So let's show them that we are the good part, you know, that we're like you and we forget ourselves.
4: Yes. Or sometimes they've lived something. They've lived trauma mm-hmm. in their own country and that's why they're yes. here. They live wars or, you know, um, and that's another way of, of forgetting is to really implement yourself in the new culture. But the thing is, it will come back one day you're going to need it yes (laughs) and that's what the play explores it explores that even though uh she's taking out of that contest and out of things she's given other talents other opportunities the ancestors are calling and say you're still going to be who you're going to be it doesn't matter if you live in canada that part of yourself still has to be studied and it's also a reflection because when i talk to a lot of I went, uh, do, did a lot of spiritual reading and and conversation with spiritual advisors and uh, voodoo priests and everything. And they, and they said to me, because I asked, I said, am I crazy uh, writing about this? Like, does it make sense to you? He goes, it totally makes sense. He goes, every time we try to fit in the world, he goes, this world here was not fit for us. It was we're not really made for us. So you can end up, he goes, I meet a lot of people who come and see me after they've seen their priest to talk because they don't understand why they have the house, they have the car, they have the picket fence, but something's missing. And he goes, usually it's because they left something behind that they didn't deal with. Mm-hmm. They left a piece of themselves and they don't understand that we can live in the white world, but we have to know that uh, there's other thing, that piece of success and happiness that we need.
0: So, in uh, Maman la Mer, uh, Mbarjolin returns to Haiti. And uh, tell us what happens when she returns to Haiti. Uh,
4: well, you have to come and see the play. I can
0: not tell you <laughs> but what happens. I can't, not everything, but uh, she, um, meets, she meets her grandmother.
4: Yes, because what happened is that there's a series of sickness that happens. There's a series of sickness that happens when she stops force herself to stop being dreaming. She doesn't want to dream anymore. She doesn't draw anymore. She doesn't because her mom encourages her. And because this event happens in in Canada a couple of days after her mom tells her, mm-hmm. and the only person that can cure her, she's very sick. And the only person that can cure her is that grandma on the phone and the phone tells them what to do tells them what ritual what tea what you know we've all been there we've all done that and that's not just caribbean people that's not just african people that's not just black people when the science doesn't answer all of a sudden we remember our natural medicine people we all have them we remember our shamans we remember the lady that does all kind of natural food all of a sudden we you know Mm -hmm. we have this wave of people leaving their doctors going to natural because their doctors is still keep giving them, doesn't want to discuss getting you off your blood, um, your high blood pressure medicine, or Mm -hmm. doesn't understand uh, that uh, all of a sudden there's a big wave right now, that natural path that you sometimes used to be a doctor and is like saying, oh, no, it is not working. That's not my calling. So so that's what happens often, and that's how she discovers her grandma and who she is, okay. right? So each time she gets sick, every time she denies who she is, but when she meets her grandma, she's like Dr. Quinn medicine woman. There's nothing <laughs> magical. She don't float off the ground, nothing. So it's just that whole understanding of self, right? Yes,
0: yes. So, and then you have to
4: see the play to, to see really what happens. Or,
0: and- And I'm looking forward to it because the 30 (laughs) minutes is not the same as the 60 minutes that's going to be at, uh, you know, the Berkeley um, Theatre under the Théâtre Francais uh, umbrella. So it's going to be, um, I haven't been, of course, to Théâtre Francais in in, in a couple of years because of COVID. Um, And I used to go because I understand French. And But I still needed my surtitles.
4: Yes. And
0: so <laughs> some of the performances will be surtitled, of course.
4: Yes. I think most of the pro- performances are surtitled, except uh, um, the school. Right, Usually the school's, schools coming in. Yeah. It, yeah. And, uh, and because also we have a great following in uh, Anglophone because that's the reality of Toronto. A lot of a lot of us are married or that's our community. We live in both community of language. We don't separate much. So yeah, that's de Toronto and the catapult that has their title lines. Right.
0: And um, as much as I understand French, I wish I could do this interview with you in French because your French <laughs> is so beautiful.
4: <laughs> so beautiful, <Merci> <laughs> um, but you'll so, see there'll be some Creole in it, and you'll be happy to see the Creole will be translated.
0: And uh, what I love about your performance is the interaction with the audience. Please tell me that's still there.
4: That's still there. Okay,
0: good. That's, that's still the there. The, I know. Yeah,
4: yeah. That's the Dani. And the character that is more of a storyteller. It's like, come, come, let's go to my trip. Let's go, let's go back and see what happened when I was when I was 10, you know, when I was mm. nine and when I was 10. Okay. Yeah, that's um, still there. What does your daughter
0: think of the play?
4: My daughter at first, when she first started the play, she was very upset that she was at the time she was 10. She was like, Why am I not playing the 10-year-old? <laughs> that was her problem. Why do you you need to tell your team that I should be playing when you're 10? And uh, so <laughs> She thought it was really interesting, and she uh, she loves it. She comes. We talk about all kind of things. We talk about period, and it's really nice to see the reaction, the way we talk about periods, the way we celebrate um, the... womanhood. Really, yeah, womanhood, and and um, and uh, the terms of how in our society that everybody's your tati. You know, you have your tati, your auntie that's of blood and you have your auntie of love and, and friendship that you make and and she there's a lot of things that uh, resemble her life because in the play there's a scene that even is getting so popular they even ask me could you just write a play about the aunties because the aunties are from jamaica from um, cuba everything because they all work with the mom
0: yeah right that, oh okay that's your next idea then well,
4: <laughs> That's I don't next know, idea. but because you, you I know you'll be you'll be honest you if you really want to see the play of the aunties but there's that whole thing that she she knows that life right yeah uh yeah. and uh she 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 loves it
0: good I want to mention um rendezvous La Clé because you have a book Jenny with both yes. of these works in it tell us about yes. Uh, tell the audience a
4: bit about Rendezvous la Clé and the book. Uh, in English, it's called Rendezvous with Home, and French is Rendezvous la Clé. La Clé meaning home in in uh, Creole, and also meaning going back home, whatever home is to you, right? Mm-hmm. It has a large, abstract uh, a way, and it, that play was about two two uh, young women in the end of their 20s who go to Haiti to bury their father that they've lost contact with over the years after a divorce and put into peace the abandonment and everything. And at the same time, they discover Haiti. And one of them is, and they're very Canadian and just a bunch of adventures happen. It's a, a, a happen on that trip. What really is amazing about uh Rendezvous at home is that we went and toured it in French and English in Montreal with the, the ignomatic, the fabulous Black Theater workshop. And and then uh the teenagers just love it. The talk box were as exciting as us playing. We would get into high schools that the teachers would say, "Oh my goodness!" From the moment that you start, they didn't talk. Nobody, uh, people would come in and not just think, "Oh, there's a play." Like, let me not go to class, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, like, people would translate the Creole to each other. But most of the because Creole is the the the, the language of hip hop in Montreal. So you have these Italian people who have their these Italian kids who have their 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 nicknames in Creole, and they come and tell you, uh, you know, like. You just had such a great uh, conversation about identity and belonging to two worlds, and making your place in the world uh, was really nice. And then I think from that play, um, I wanted to write the second part because the first part was so much about the dad and 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 making and and getting that connection with Haiti. And then, but then instead, this little old lady kept appearing in my dream, and that was the grandma who's asking me. Write about me. Write mm-hmm. about the three generation of women. So, yeah, that's rendezvous, and uh, it's right now published in French uh, in French in uh, together with uh, Mama Man.
0: Where can people find it
4: to buy? Um, uh, it's on les librairies uh, now because of COVID. You know, it was supposed to be at the, the uh, different booklets and all that. It's now that we can really do these these things. We're supposed to have a you know launch at the book, different book lists and all that because they also have a French section and uh, but uh, mostly it's online right now and there'll be and we'll have the plays at uh, at uh, TFT. Oh, wonderful! Also.
0: Yeah, people can buy it there. Yes. wonderful, Jenny. It's been a pleasure to connect with you to talk with you, and uh, you're gonna see me at Mama la Mer.
4: Oh, thank Uh, you. And I want you to know, when you said that to me, it really inspired me to take control and rethink, revisit. And sometimes uh, an author needs that, right? You just need that one person that kind of knows your work to say something that you already had in your heart. So I thank you. Yeah, because you were missing. Let's talk about identity. You were missing from that one.
0: Yeah, And, uh, yeah, so I'm glad it's evolved and you're back to your true self. And uh, thank you so much for sharing time with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. Maman La Mer runs from September the 29th until October the 2nd at the Berkeley Street Theatre at 26 Berkeley Street. For more information and to buy tickets, please visit the website Théâtre Français dot com. T-H-E-A-T-R-E-F-R-A-N-C-A-I-S dot com. You can find Jenny Laguerre on Instagram at Jenny Laguerre. D-J-E-N-N-I-E-L-A-G-U
1: C-I-U-T 89.5, the sound of your
2: city. Stream C-I-U-T at www.ciut.fm.
0: You're listening to The More The Merrier. This is Donna G. The station is C-I-U-T 89.5 FM. My guest right now is Chris A. Cummings of Marker Starling. And there is an event coming up on October 1st, where they are the opening act for Stereolab. So, Chris, how exciting an event is this for
2: you? Oh, very exciting, Donna. Thanks so much uh, for having me on. Uh, It's the biggest show that we will have ever played. It's, uh, you know, at at History, the new venue uh, at Street East and Kingston Road that Drake opened and it's, uh, you know, capacity is 2,500 people. So it will be the biggest audience that we've ever played for. And uh, the Stereo Lab, you know, audience, uh, Stereo Lab played in Toronto in 2019 as well. And uh, the audience reaction at that show, which was at the Danforth Music Hall, was just absolute pandemonium. So we're, we're really looking forward to, uh, you know, being in front of Stereo Lab's uh, Audience here in Toronto.
0: For those people who are not uh, old enough to remember Stereo Lab, how would you introduce them?
2: Well, uh, they, you know, uh, they arrived on the scene in about 1990 uh, in the UK. Um, you know, most of the members of the band are from the UK, except for Leticia Sadier, uh, the singer, who is French, and uh, she sings uh, in English and French and uh, when they arrived on the scene in england they were sort of a fresh new uh, voice and uh, quickly became extremely big in the uh, you know alternative music world of the 1990s and they toured north america many many times and uh, made many albums that are now considered classics and uh, they kept going until about 2009 and then they went on hiatus and um, didn't play any shows until 2019 when they played a sold-out uh, tour of, uh, of North America. And we were lucky enough to open for them then in uh, Montreal, but not in, in Toronto. So this will be the first time that we've opened for them in Toronto.
0: So how did you get that call, that hookup, to open for Stereolab?
2: Uh, well, I've known Leticia for about eight years, and uh, we've collaborated on... Uh, multiple projects together uh, she's sung on my records and also i've written lyrics for um you know collaborative tracks that we've done i wrote a song on one of her records so uh yeah we've we've been you know friends and collaborators for about eight years and uh we were lucky to to get the the call um, to open the show in 2019 and again this year where we'll be opening both uh, uh the toronto and montreal shows And I'm also friends with the drummer, Andy Ramsey. Uh, He, uh, I recorded a record in his studio in England um, with um, another legend, uh, Sean O'Hagan, producing and Andy Ramsey engineering. Uh, We made a record, High January, which came out in 2020.
0: For people who've never heard your music before, how would you describe it?
2: Well, the the phrase that uh, is often used is uh, melancholy party jams. Uh, the, the, I, I play the electric piano and I sing and, um, you know, I have played many, many uh, solo shows. Um, but when we have the uh, full band, it's more of a propulsive uh, experience. I mean, the, the Wurlitzer electric piano is still the main instrument. But we have, for the last year, we've been, uh, you know, uh, we have a, have had a new member of the, the band, which is Dorothea Pass, who's the great uh, Toronto singer-songwriter uh, whose debut record Anything Can't Happen came out in 2021 and uh, she has uh, been, uh, well first we recorded a duet together uh, which will be on my upcoming record Diamond Violence and then um, uh, we also, she recorded many um, backing vocals for for my new record and uh, then we started uh, playing live together and now she has been, she's joined the band and uh, is singing and playing guitar uh with us so she's been a really great addition to the band and the other band members are jay anderson on drums matt mclaren on bass and andrew scott on guitars
0: i haven't interviewed you in years and years
2: i know But i used to be quite a frequent guest on your show
0: (laughs) yeah and i remember we were in the old building Right. Um That one time at uh, on Saint George, yeah, and you brought your piano up those stairs. Oh my goodness! To play yeah. in the studio, and I could not believe it. Uh, <laughs> but it was a wonderful experience. I was Instagram wasn't alive back then, or I would have oh. definitely um, had have some photos good. of yeah. that moment. Would have been a Instagram
2: um, post or story.
0: Yeah, um, but. I agree with how people uh, describe your music because it's definitely um, melancholic, but also mm-hmm. a party jam as mm-hmm. well.
2: Yeah. Uh, who are some of your influences? Oh, my goodness. Well, the first person who actually springs to mind is Patrice Russian. Uh, really? She, yeah, I, 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 I've, I've always loved... Therese Russian and uh, since I was in my 20s and uh,
0: I, I was not expecting that,
2: Chris. <laughs> she's, she's pretty much she's absolutely one of my favorite, um, you know, pianists and electric piano players. And uh, I just love her her songwriting. So, I mean, she's kind of the first person I, I, I think of in terms of like piano, you know, idols, I would say Herbie Hancock, uh, Weldon Irvin. Like, I really yeah, I guess I'd like the the jazz players. Uh, but the jazz with a little bit of vocals in it and jazz that verges on pop. And where did you study music? Well, I I, I was a classical piano student, and I, I went up to grade 10 in the uh, Royal Conservatory system here in Toronto. And then that was it. Like I, I just became, you know, a uh, self-taught Uh, songwriter um, I always uh, had an ear for music and I picked songs up by ear and that was sort of how I taught myself to to write songs on the piano and of course I've you know I don't have my classical playing chops anymore but I I can you know play chords and that's kind of like the the thing that I that I always loved to do uh, when I was learning songs from records and um, that's still how I uh you know, play songs when I play live. It's mostly chords, not a lot of uh, uh, virtuosic piano playing. But, you know, since I am classically trained, I know a lot of chords. So,
0: (laughs) And when did you discover your voice, that tone?
2: I just, you know, I I always liked to sing along with records, and uh, I just kind of started doing it on my own. And, of course, at first, the first live, first few years really of live performance, we're much more shaky than, than now. I, I think my voice has gotten stronger and, uh, you know, I've gotten more assured in my, in my singing and, um, it, yeah. So I'm a self-taught singer and songwriter basically.
0: So the performance that's coming up on October 1st, how many tracks will you be performing?
2: Eight or nine, I think.
0: Was it difficult to decide which ones to play?
2: Very difficult. Very difficult. Yeah. Because we, we still haven't actually decided, uh, cause we've, we've just played, uh, we played a show in Kitchener where we played a lot of songs. We played 13 songs. Mm-hmm. And now we're about to play at the Transac. By the time this airs, this will have already happened. But we are playing at the transact on September 24th, and we're doing 10 songs for that. And then we have to cut it back. We have to cut it down even further. So we will, you know, we'll we'll sort of see how it goes on the 24th, and then decide which songs went over the best and, and choose from there. Well,
0: the Transac audiences are are used to you. Are you a little nervous
2: about the Stereolab audience? I think it'll be, a f- I think we'll be well received. I think uh, since it's a Toronto audience, there will be a lot of people who already know who we are in the audience, hopefully. And, uh, you know, we'll be into what we're doing. I, I think it's crowd pleasing material. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep to the high energy uh, numbers that we do.
0: Is there one track you know for sure you will be performing?
2: Yes, uh, the the brand new song uh, "Diamond Violence," which just came out last week, and that's and... The t- that's the title track of my new record, which features Dorothea Paz, and um, you know it'll be coming out on Ten Angel Records on November twenty fifth, and also on Seven EP Records in Japan.
0: Yeah, because uh, you tour. It's like yeah. on Instagram, you're always popping up in these different cities, and.
2: Well, uh... <laughs> It's been it's been three years now though since yeah. lockdown. But uh, yeah, prior to lockdown, I was touring a lot and uh, you know, Germany, England, and uh, I've been to Japan twice now as well, which was really really exciting.
0: And uh, so the album Diamond Violence uh, comes out November twenty fifth, so people will have to watch for that. That's in right. In the in the meantime though, they can see you October first. Opening yeah. for Stereo Lab. I wish you well on that show. At, oh, thank you so at, at much. History. Thank you
2: so much. Yeah, yeah, I'm so yeah. excited.
0: Are you nervous?
2: I mean, a little bit. Of course, I always have nerves before any show, and especially one as big as that. I, I'm sure I will uh, be a nervous wreck before the show, but then, uh, you know, I'll be able to contain it i'm
0: sure i'll have to have you back in november to talk about the release of diamond violence yeah you'll definitely have to come back and uh we'll catch up about the stereo lab show and uh you'll give me a you know sort of a synopsis of how that went
2: i'll let you know exactly how it went
0: all right and how much are tickets chris
2: uh 48 dollars
0: 48 dollars okay tell the people where they can find you
2: it's at marker starling m-a-r-k-e-r-s-t-a-r-l-i-n-g on both twitter and instagram
0: chris thank you so much for joining me and i hope marker starling has a wonderful time on october the first
2: thank you so much things you might forget when you're not lonely happiness erases things you might remember when you're sad so sad